latest episode of Disrupt Podcast. I'm Gabriella Mulligan. And I'm Tom Jackson. Disrupt Podcast is the one-stop shop for African tech startups' news and views, bringing you all the latest from the continent's startup ecosystem, plus interviews with special guests. It's been almost a month since you last heard from us, so this episode is a bumper edition. We'll be chatting to serial entrepreneur Ichop Ikpe about his latest venture, and we'll also hear from the Johannesburg-based Founders Factory about its corporate-backed methods for accelerating African tech startups. But before that, here's all the news from the last few weeks. Kenya is in the process of adopting startup-specific legislation for the first time after the gazetting of the Startup Bill 2020, which will have its first reading in Parliament next week before 30 days of public consultation. Tunisia and Senegal have already adopted startup-focused laws, and a host of other African countries are following suit. For more on African startup acts, check out episode 9 of the podcast. The funding continues to flow with a host of recent rounds, meaning African startups have already raised more capital in 2020 than in the whole of 2019. And reminder, it's only October and there's a pandemic going on. The headliner of the last few weeks was South African startup Valencia Institute, a tech-enabled high school launched last year by Get Smarter co-founder Rob Paddock, which has raised $7 million. Kenya's Copia and Rwanda's Kasha both received investment from the US's International Development Finance Corporation, essentially the US Development Bank. Kenyan fintech startup Zagace announced it has quietly been raising a $16.7 million seed round over the last four years, while a Nairobi-based OK High, which has developed a digital addressing system for emerging markets, backed almost $1.8 million US dollars from a UK-based angel network. A great month for energy startups, with South Africa's Yellow raising $3.3 million and Kenya's Solarize banking $10 million. Egypt has also had another big month. Virtual assistant startup Elves raised $2 million, while there are also rounds for fashion rentals platform Larena, PropTech platform Iscan, fintech startup Cashier and eHealth startup Rology. eHealth startups continue to raise in what has been a bumpy year for the sector. Aside from Rology, Cameroon's Health Lane and South Africa's Psyched are also recent fundraisers. Another health tech company, Nigeria's RxAll, became the latest company selected to participate in Founders Factory Africa's Venture Scale program, which provides access to funding and additional support services. We'll hear from Founders Factory later on. The investment news keeps coming. Seeking an alternative funding model, Nigerian mobility startup Max.ng raised $1 million via Nova Subscribe Bond and Mest Africa invested $100,000 in each of seven graduating tech startups. And it isn't only startups that get funded. The Nairobi-based Impact Africa Network recently secured donations from Silicon Valley luminaries, including Slack Stuart Butterfield, Boxer's Aaron Levy, and Craig Newmark of Craigslist to help it absorb more people into its 12-month innovation fellowship program. September also brought news of some acquisitions. Unusually, however, they were made by a startup, and even more unusually, one that has not yet launched operations. Nigeria's AutoCheck, an automotive technology startup recently founded by former Deal Day and Cars 45 CEO Ito Ikpe, announced the acquisition of automotive marketplaces Checky Nigeria and Checky Ghana, previously part of Rome Africa's portfolio. I caught up with Ito to find out more. So do you want to just tell us how Auto AutoCheck came about and sort of the, the origins of the idea and the origins of the new startup? Um, so basically, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say there was like one aha moment at any time. I think it's just um, 
the amount of spent time I've spent in the automotive industry, um, I've come to understand basically a lot of challenges across, uh, and, and these are challenges that are basically similar across uh, most, most, most African countries. And I think, you know, I, I came to the realization that, um, you know, there needed to be a lot, that there needs to be a broader approach to solving the problem um, because the industry is already uh, very um, transactional. And the biggest problem in the industry is typically um, the, the solutions need to go deeper to support all parts of the ecosystem because none of the ecosystems typically um, survive or work um, independently. They all work symbiotically and almost have to be symbiotically addressed for the ecosystem to really uh, um, achieve any kind of real scale of value. So I think deeper and deeper realization of that made me kind of figure that, you know, um, uh, you know, it's the right time. And, and, and I guess, you know, I, I, I just felt that it was the right time to go for it. And uh, that's, that's kind of what led to it. What's the state of Cars 45 as a business now? Because I think quite a few other people have left over the last few months. Um, no, Cars 45 is running really well. Uh, there's a fantastic management team in place. I think that, I mean, uh, you know, really exciting uh, management team, really innovative. Um, it's, it's, it's doing well. And uh, they, I, I mean, I'm confident that it'll continue to do amazing things. It's a very, uh, it's a company that has done fantastically well over the last uh, four years. And I'm sure that they will continue to do well. It's running, it's stable. And, um, you know, uh, you know it's, it's, it's there and it's doing pretty well. Was it a tough decision personally to leave? Of course, of course it was. I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, leaving something you started is, 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 you know, I mean, that's probably one of the, most difficult decisions I've, I've ever had to make in my life. Um, you know, doing something like that is never going to be an easy one. Um, and uh, I, I guess what, you know, I've come to realize sometimes in life as well, you know, if, you know, I've, I've um, I see this more than just a business uh, or a startup, you know, it's a personal mission for me. Um, there's so much value that can be created from the automotive sector. There's so many jobs, so many Africans that can be typically employed through the automotive sector. Um, I hate seeing what happens around in terms of unemployment across the continent. And, you know, it's become more than, more than just a business for me. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's really about taking on the market. It's really about creating value in the market. And, and sometimes, you know, when you have that sort of personal mission, you've got to make tough decisions. You know, I, I, see, I see far beyond uh, just a successful business. I see something that really... Um, at the end of the day, will, will really impact lives and, and create a lot of value for generations across Africa. So that's, that's really what's driving me. And sometimes to make that sort of decision, um, you know, you, are, you also have to take uh, difficult decisions. But um, I think overall, you know, even if one door shuts, another one opens. Um, it's one journey that has ended, another one has continued. And, you know, it's, it's, life, is about, life is about transitions, you know. So uh, that's, that's kind of how I see it as well. But it wasn't easy, but... Um, you know, we, we, we have to make tough decisions sometimes. You're certainly, shall we say, in, in, in the vanguard of applying technology to the automobile sector across Africa. I mean, that, how much is tech being employed across the industry and how, how much potential is there when it comes to adding, adding tech solutions to, to this industry in order to drive growth? Okay, so I think that um, if you look at sort of the tech, tech, tech in, uh, in the automotive industry in the last uh, sort of decade, has really been around sort of just connecting buyers and sellers, various types of classifieds, and nothing really deepening sort of the transactional layers that need to occur, right? 
Um, and that is basically the evolution that is coming in, where it's going beyond sort of just connecting buyers and sellers or advertising. And it's really around um, providing world-class solutions that can actually enable all participants within the ecosystem to thrive much better. Um, I think that, you know, technology is the only way we can achieve scale. I, I think the, if you look at the automotive industry overall globally, it's one that has actually struggled over time to transition simply because, you know, it's a hard metal industry. It's one of the most, uh, you know, thriving industries over the last, uh, you know, 100 years across the globe. You know, it's, 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 it's one of the most established industries across the globe. So a lot of the companies that you know, are sort of thriving today um, have been, you know, have had processes and procedures and supply chains and structures that have been laid out for, 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 for decades and decades. And, and so when you're going to apply a t a technology to that sort of industry, it's very difficult to, to, to sort of see technology penetrate and become sort of a leading uh, way people do things. So it, it's traditional in its, in its fundamental nature. But I think that just like every other sector, technology has a large role to play play in kind of uh, propelling sort of the way the sector transitions. Um, and I think if you look at like similar to Tesla in terms of um, how if you left it to the, uh, to the traditional automotives, I, I don't think that electric vehicles will be where they are today or the appreciation for electric vehicles will kind of be where they are today. And you know, actually, coincidentally, um, Tesla's uh, um, uh, vision, you know, is to accelerate uh, the adoption of uh, of uh, electric vehicles, you know, and, 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 and that's the thing is that sometimes it has to come from outside of sort of the traditional means where someone can look at the sector in a, from a different set of eyes and really apply technology. So I think that auto tech in itself is very key. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity and I think particularly for Africa because most of the transactions and, uh, and the automotive industry in Africa hasn't really grown with the kind of structures over the years that you would find in uh, Europe or in the U.S., um, and, and so the African automotive sector has really grown very sporadically in a very fragmented way, even though it's thriving, but it's still very fragmented, right? So um, we're not able to extract a lot of value because of the way it's grown. And I think it's only technology that can begin to kind of bring a lot of transparency into the industry. Um, and, and through that transparency, you're going to find um, a lot of the other active players like uh, financial sector players, like the after sales uh, uh, sector players, um, you know, key, key, key verticals like that within the automotive sector that can now thrive, that overall bring value to the automotive sector. So I think it has, it has a large role to play, but across, across the continent as well, um, I think that in, in the last one or two years, we've begun to see a lot of startups coming up with various solutions. I think there's, a, there's currently an evolution going on in terms of the way people are looking at the space. and the way, uh, So I'm very excited in terms of a lot of the solutions um, um, that I'm seeing coming up these days. And I'm pretty sure that you know, over the next uh, four to five years, you're going to definitely find, um, um, you know, if you talked about, uh, you know, top five, top 10 uh, startups across Africa, there'll definitely be one or two automotive players simply because of the value that the automotive industry uh, means to Africa. Um, you guys have launched in the market with a bit of a bang with the announcement of the acquisition of Czechies brands in Nigeria and Ghana. Um, just tell us a bit about the thinking behind that. You know, what, what are the positives that came out of that deal from an auto-check perspective and also a checking perspective? Okay, so I think that one, um, you know, if you look at the Czechy brand, I mean, Czechy was literally sort of the first uh, wave of digitization in the automotive industry. It's been 10 years in the market, right? So it's really the first wave of digitization of uh, automotive transactions uh, for a lot of Africans. That was, that, that was really the first wave 
that a lot of Africans really interacted with the automotive industry digitally. Um, uh, and, 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 and it's really empowered a lot of dealers, you know, in helping them sell cars, in helping them meet customers. Um, I, I think, you know, that's one way to, to, to see how important Cheki has been in connecting and, and really having a historic play. Um, it has a, you know, Cheki has had a great penetration in the market. It has a fantastic brand over time. You know, they've, they've been known for great customer service. Um, and, and I mean, we saw it as an opportunity to basically launch a platform and have um, access to be able to deliver some kind of quality um, in an effective way. Um, so, the, so for us, it's been, it's been absolutely uh, tremendous being able to, to sort of go into the market using the Chucky brand. It's been truly amazing. And uh, we, find it, um, uh, we find that it's going to be pretty substantial for us to be able to launch. I mean, we could go into the market, but being able to go into the market leveraging sort of the great work that uh, Checky has done over time um, really gives us a, a, an amazing edge to be able to deliver our products directly to our consumers and our dealership uh, workshop network. So what's the roadmap now for AutoCheck? I mean, what, what are the plans for the next one, two, three years? Um, so I think, first of all, we're focusing on relaunching the product into the market. Um, the product in itself, in, in the initial phase, is focused on three core areas for the consumers. It's enabling them access uh, when they're buying cars, enabling them access warranties on cars they want to buy. It also has a very strong consumer finance la la layer. So basically, the consumers are able to buy cars um, through uh, financing, which has a very low penetration rate in automobile transactions across Africa. And third part is basically an, 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 a maintenance uh, segment as well, um, being able to ensure that, you know, sort of the maintenance segment of the platform is pretty strong and pretty, uh, uh, you know, because all these sectors I, I, I talked about, they actually work symbiotically. So, you know, we're, try we're looking at a solution that pretty much um, stitches uh, this value chain together and we're able to service consumers and consumers get better service um, um, through, our, through, through, our, through our platforms. I think on the other layer as well, basically, is providing, we're providing the tools for our dealerships, for our workshops, um, uh, workshop partners, for our financial partners to access uh, consumers much more effectively, to transact with consumers much more effectively. So for us, it's a two-sided marketplace, um, um, and, and, and we're basically providing the tools and technology to our, to, you know, to, to our dealerships, to our workshop partners, to financial institutions, to enable them to transact with our, with our consumers on the other end as well. So I think that's the main focus for now, um, 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 you know, relaunching the product, relaunching the auto check, uh, relaunching the checking platform into auto check uh, with these amazing services. And over time, our goal basically is really to um, uh, look at the entire life cycle of a consumer um, and solve the problems for that consumer. So for us, I mean, we, we I mean, you, you, you can you can you can paint a roadmap um, and now, but we, we believe that you know the greatest roadmap you can you can paint is customer feedback, right? Uh, ensure that you're taking customer feedback in, and as the customers interact with your product, plug that plug that in, right? As, as, as your financial services partners interact with your product, plug their feedback in on how you can improve the product. And, and to me, that's the way you build your roadmap. Um, um, into creating a, a, a fantastic product or service. I think that's the benefit of digitization. The fact that we're able to get real-time feedback and we're able to understand, you know, customer behavior. We're able to understand exactly what we need to do to accelerate the growth of the platform or solve certain problems. And that's really what's going to drive our roadmap, pretty much what we're listening to. Um, overall, we have Pan-African goals. Um, we want to be in uh, as many um, vibrant markets as there are in Africa. So, uh, you know, over, over the next two to three years, our goal basically 
is to continue to expand our services, continue to expand our technology into multiple African markets, but most importantly, listening to the consumer and adding more and more amazing products to service and, uh, and, 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 and deliver great quality to our, to our customers. And from a personal perspective, you're, um, you're now quite an experienced entrepreneur, shall we speak, with like a, a, an interesting journey through Deal Day, Cars 45, and now to AutoCheck. Is that something you feel? Do you feel like you sort of every, everything that has happened in your career so far has sort of led to this point now where you're able to effectively scale this business from scratch um, using lessons that you've, you've learned with these previous businesses? Of course. I think, I think that's why I always encourage people to, uh, to, to, to really um, to go for, you know, how they feel, to really try to fulfill your dreams. I think that, you know, it's not about what, where you're starting but where you're going to end up. And every single thing, uh, whether failure, whether success, um, the day you have to cry, the day you're, you're happy, all these things, you know, come together to make you who you are. So um, I'm, I'm grateful for the journey I've had. I'm grateful to the people that have supported me through my time. Um, but really, I mean, there's every single lesson. And I rely on those lessons every day. There are a lot of challenges I face. And, you know, I have to rely on something I did 10 years ago to give me the confidence to move forward. Um, some things I recognize in another variation of form. Um, and really, I, you know, I, I, in no, I would never have been able to do this without going through every single one of those, uh, every, every single one of those challenges I, I face. And I think it's so important for people to recognize that regardless of what challenges you're facing, regardless of, you know, how difficult things are, it's all part of the journey, right? There's no journey that is, that is um, you know, generic. Everybody has a different path. So it's not even possible to compare yourself to anyone else um, or compare your journey to anyone else. I think it's, it's a very unique journey. It's a very unique experience. And really that has what led me to where I am today. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. And I'll continue to dream. I'll continue to push. Um, and I, con- I, I continue to be a learner. So I'm not at a point where I, I even think like, hey, yeah, I, I've, I've done it all. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm still like a sponge. I'm soaking up as much information as possible. I'm learning every day. And it's very exciting. So, so yeah, so it's, it's, it, all, it all builds up to, to, to it and it all matters. Top there on his high hopes for the future of Autotech in Africa, and Disrupt Africa will keep you in the loop regarding the startup's progress as it formally launches soon. Speaking of launching startups, when the London-based Founders Factory launched its African operations in Joburg in 2018, it said it planned to design, build, and scale 140 disruptive tech startups across the continent over the next five years. Since then, in partnership with corporate Standard Bank and Netcare, it's backed a number of existing companies and established some new ones. And it has even bigger plans for the future. Tom chatted to Africa COO Kofo Sanusi to get the lowdown on the accelerator's corporate back model. Kofo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Do you want to just give us a quick, brief background on Founders Factory in Africa and how its programs work? Yes, indeed. So Founders Factory, we, Africa, we started two years ago now uh, in Africa, and we are here to help build and scale ventures across the continent. We have two programs, a build program where we are building businesses from scratch, either with entrepreneurs or directly by ourselves, and we bring in the entrepreneurs and residents. And then we also have the scale program that works with uh, founders and startups to grow their business. So particularly we focus on helping 
startups accelerate their product market fit journey. So having finding the sort of product user fit, finding paying customers and get into scalable economics. That is what the scale program does. All right, fantastic. And what have you done so far? How many startups have gone through these programs? Yes, so we've had, I think, 12 uh, startups uh, that have gone through, oh, no, sorry, 15 startups that have gone through the scale program so far, and we've launched two businesses on our build program. Um, on the scale side, which is where I sit, we've seen uh, real progress in terms of the businesses that we've had there. So we've seen a number from um, um, West Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, and then some from the, from the southern region and Eastern Africa as well. I think the real success that we've been able to see beyond things like tangible sort of uh, businesses being able to raise money is actually helping these businesses really understand how to build their businesses, right? So really putting in place repeatable methodology that are scalable for their business, everything from sort of like product thinking to improving their growth capability or their partnership strategy and their partnership capabilities, those are the things that we really focus on in terms of like ways of working that are truly scalable. Um, we've also helped some of our startups secure large partnerships, securing pilots that will hopefully convert to sort of commercial agreements. And more tangibly, we've helped businesses actually build and, and launch their product themselves, right? So everything from designing a credit facility model uh, to designing marketplaces and actually building MVPs. So we're really varied in terms of the range of things that we can do and, and the range of things that we've seen our businesses achieve. One of your unique selling points is your partnerships with um, key corporates such as Standard Bank and Netcare. I mean, what's so impactful about these partnerships and what, what are you offering startups when it comes to access to these corporate partners? Yes, I mean, they are, I would say, the Trojan horse and part of our, our offering. If you take Standard Bank, for example, who is our, our financial services fintech partner, they are, uh, you know, Africa's largest bank um, uh, in terms of presence across the continent is very impressive. And just for a startup to be able to accelerate access to the likes of Standard Bank is so important. So knowing everything right from just being able to access expertise uh, from a bank like Standard Bank. For example, we had a startup who was setting up uh, a lending facility for its customers and just trying to work through regulations and understand what was required which was so complicated and they hadn't seen any success or progress at all. Within the sort of first month or so of joining the program, just being able to get access to to expertise from from Standard Bank, who were specialists in that that area, they knew not just the region the business was based in, but other markets in Africa, connect them to other experts in the bank. That really made a difference in terms of accelerating how quickly the business could could start to work on its product or where it could take its product to next. So that's just one example in terms of access to expertise. But it's also having access to customers, right? So Standard Bank, you know, as a bank, has having lots of customers itself. And by the sheer fact that they invested into Founders Factory Africa, they open their doors and their channels to our startups, right? So finding strategic alignments, helping our, our startups secure pilots with their customers has been, uh, has been really key in distribution with their customers, Equally, Netcare, you know, uh, largest uh, private uh, medical group in, in South Africa, they have been tremendous in terms of our health tech uh, program, 
and just the health businesses that we've been able to bring into the program. So just by having access to the expertise, being able to really connect into their network also um, is really making a difference to these startups. So clear benefits for the startups, but what's in it for the corporates themselves? That's a good question. I think a number of things. I think one is... um, classic to say, but just being able to have visibility to these really small startups but that are incredibly fast and nimble in the way that they work and, and advanced in so many ways in terms of technology and just being able to access what is coming onto the market and get insight into that and also be able to partner with them, right? So these startups are finding ways to do it quicker and better in some ways. So it's actually uh, um, beneficial to both parties um, sometimes startups are able to have reach that, that the corporates can't. And uh, we've certainly seen that uh, in some of our businesses and the alignment has been really important. So that's one aspect. The second aspect is actually the other part of our business, which is the build program. Um, the pain points that these corporates are having, just having an, a, a partner in a way, an innovation partner where those pain points can be turned into valuable insights that then inform our, our, our sort of the types of businesses that we're building. So they, they, they know in a way that there is a partner that is addressing these pain points and are building businesses that can resolve those pain points, which in reality is not just them struggling, it's them and possibly other corporates and others out there in the market too. So the valuable insights from, from their pain points helps in terms of building new businesses that can then hope to solve the problems that they are facing too. It seems that as the African Accelerator Program industry or the incubator industry has um, developed over the last few years, that these corporate-backed or linked programs are sort of the way of the world now and the, the, the next stage. I mean, is this how you see the, the industry developing in future with lots of corporate support and linkages? I think so. I think the corporate support is, is so important for startups. Again, I, I pointed out earlier in terms of the access, the reach um, uh, across the continent that these corporates have. And just for a small startup, you just can't get that, right? It, it, it just by the sheer fact that these businesses have existed for, for centuries in some cases, um, a startup just doesn't have that same leverage. And so corporate insights and corporate expertise, just being able to work through the complexities of regulation or how to operate in specific markets um, that these startups just don't have, uh, that is where the experience of the big corporates really come in and can really pay off for startups. So I, I think corporates are key and the collaboration with the two, both the startup and the corporate, is, is what's really going to breed success for the continent. One of the uh, negative impacts or many negative impacts we've seen from the COVID-19 um, pandemic and its associated fallout is a, um, is a decline in corporate budgets or, uh, or corporate budgets being put on hold. Um, are you expecting there to be a negative impact on sort of startup corporate collaboration as a result of that? Question again. I, I would hope not, but certainly um, can't anticipate those things. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the short term, you know, there, there will be a little bit of a, a closer purse string or, or what's the word? Uh, corporates are playing their cards a little bit closer to their chest in terms of um, uh, the, the level of engagement um, just as a result of COVID. 
But I think a lot of corporates um, who have been engaging already will tell you that they've seen the tremendous value that it adds to their business in the examples that I've mentioned, but also just in, in the culture that it brings and how it drives innovation for them too within their business. And just those things in terms of the value of that cannot be measured. And I, I would just just from the conversations that I've been privy to so far, you know, corporates are still thinking about engagement with startups on the continent. They're still thinking about innovation. So whilst one might expect that we will see uh, sort of a slowdown in what they are spending, I think the desire to contribute, to continue to engage and to work with startups has not stopped in the conversations I've been having. So if it's not sort of direct capital in terms of funding, I think we'll still see corporates continue to engage in other ways um, that's not necessarily just through capital. Fingers crossed. Um, in terms of Founders Factory Africa, then what are the aims for the next 18 months, two years? I mean, do you have a targets in terms of the number of startups you're going to back? Are you looking for new corporate partners? Are you expanding beyond fintech and healthcare into new verticals? Just give us, a, give us a, a, an insight into what the future holds. Absolutely. So at the moment, we are in two sectors. We are in fintech and in health, and we will continue to deliver in those where we'll be uh, um, accelerating or scaling five startups in each of those verticals each year. So we're calling and we're continuously on a rolling basis looking for startups who meet our investment criteria to support on the growth journey. We equally will be launching new businesses. So based on the two sectors we're in, we'll be launching four each year, which is very exciting. But as we grow the business, we're definitely looking to expand into other sectors. So uh, completely open to corporates who are looking for partnerships uh, and engagement um, and, and looking to sort of uh, collaborate with startups. Uh, we have a number of different sort of um, uh, uh, approaches in terms of how we engage with, with corporates from the sort of approach that we have with the likes of Standard Bank and NetCare, where we have dedicated verticals to them, to more so other strategic ways, um, which um, there's sort of more information on our website for anyone who wants to know a little bit more. But we're excited to continue to grow on the continent. You know, it's our home. We're very much focused on on really making a difference to startups there um, in, in the way that we can support them to grow. So our focus is really in those two areas of building businesses and scaling those who already exist in market and bringing on new partners for us to do that with. One of that, one of the things key to that is fundraising. So we're continuously looking to build out that the relationships with investors on the continent and beyond because we know that startups need capital and we're really excited to almost be that due diligence partner for investors in a way who are committing our resources and our services to the startups, making sure we help them to, to position their business in a scalable way so that investors can have a sort of extra peace of mind, if, uh, if, should we say, uh, in terms of uh, where their money is going into and, and being able to sort of trust the businesses that they are investing into. Pitch the pod. Hello, my name is Emmanuel Chatina from the Republic of Malawi. I'm the founder and CEO of a health tech startup called Online Clinic Yatu, or Oakley in short. So we are found on www.oakleyatu.com. Oakley as in O-C-L-I-Y-A. We do offer online video consultations and mode monitoring system. We are currently building a mobile application to supplement the service that we offer on our website. We are also currently raising 
advance a total of 150,000 US dollars to build our technology platform as well as also our transportation system. We are also open to partnerships with those that have strong interest in health tech, especially in Africa. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Disrupt Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and please remember to let all your friends and colleagues know that they can listen to the podcast on any of their favorite podcasting platforms. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. In the meantime, stay safe. Goodbye. Bye.